Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to The Passing Shot with Joel and Kim, sponsored by DownloadTennis.com. On today's Indian Wells Catch-Up. Iga Svantec makes it back-to-back WTA 1000 titles. Taylor Fritz ends Nadal's unbeaten streak. And we look ahead to Miami as qualifying gets underway. Kim, today is the 21st of March and we are here to take a look back on all the action in Indian Wells at Passing Shot HQ. We have our two singles winners, Igor Sviantek and Taylor Fritz. I would say that the dust has settled in the desert, but I think judged on the action we saw in the business end of the tournament, the given the conditions, the dust, the dust never really settled, did it, from, from start to finish? The dust was not settling. It was blowing in everyone's faces and getting in their eyes and being a right pain, uh, basically, especially during that semi-final between Rafa and Carlos Alcaraz. Um, and then the ladies' Anarchy, final. Kim. Anarchy. Yeah, it was strong gusts of wind. It's very hard to play tennis in those conditions. Um, and I mean, I would have to say, you know, everyone sort of did survive, thankfully. But um, yeah, rather the worst for wear in uh, some instances and with some interesting shot making at times but um yeah we have had Indian Wells has come to a close uh we're going to discuss all the action from the finals and semi-finals um I'm a little bit sad today Joel because Rafa's unbeaten streak has come to an end but you know all all in all you know if if you'd have said as a Rafa fan that he would go on a 20 match unbeaten streak to start the year you know I would have um you would have taken that Absolutely. And all credit to Taylor Fritz. I mean, shall we start with with the men's final from from last night um, to to commence today's episode? Um, It was straight set six, three, seven, six. Taylor Fritz bagging his his biggest title of of his career. And I think really nice for him. It's in front of his home fans in, in California. Yeah, as a, a San Diegan, I think he, he he must feel life is pretty good at the moment. Um, you could see in his celebration, you know, going you know back on the court uh, after winning uh, that championship point against Nadal, and yeah, he was just elated. And I, I do think you know Fritz is in a, a funny position in the sense of, you know, I think over the last six months or so, we've been talking about <laughs> lots of different uh, you know American tennis players, Brandon Nakashima. Maxime Cressy, you know, Seb Corder back at, at Wimbledon. And they've all, I feel like, kind of had their their moment. And this, for me, feels like Taylor Fritz's moment. And this is, I think, his reminder to, you know, the tennis world, to you know, American tennis, that, you know, he is a very, very talented individ- individual. He's been on the tour for a while now. He's got that experience. And it's just great to see him, I think, just make this make this breakthrough because he'll feel like he's coming into kind of the 
you know, almost kind of like the the peak of his, you know, this is like a really important kind of moment for him, I think, on the tour in terms of, you know, making himself a force to be reckoned with. And, you know, the reality kind of going into this final was he's just not a very good big match player um, at the, you know, the end of tournaments when he, you know, if he gets there. I think there's a lot of, certainly a lot of nerves I think I've seen in the past when he's reached finals, a lot of nervous energy. And that has kind of translated into ultimately into him you know not performing his best and in you know in the same regard as well when he has come up against the biggest you know the big players the big three you know he's again not performed I feel to you know his potential and that was the sort of I think for me the kind of the context kind of going into the match yes there were kind of worries about his his ankle as well but certainly for me I think it was going to how is he going to handle that that occasion you know in front of your home fans given you know he's lost his last four finals he's 0 and 8 he was 0 and 8 going into this match against the big three for me it was very much how he was going to handle the situation and he came through and handled it really really impressively uh yes you know we're going to talk about Nadal not necessarily being 100% but at the same time you know you've got to beat what's in front of you and I always remember Kim you know he had that match against Novak Djokovic at the Australian Open back in in 2021 when Djokovic went two sets up Fritz then won the the next two sets and then he lost it but Djokovic again similar sort of situation in the sense that he was going through uh you know feeling an, an injury and he couldn't quite he couldn't quite close it out and I think this is almost kind of redemption for that and it's I think shows the belief I think he has had you know coming with all of his training all of his hard work that when he comes up against someone like a, a Nadal in a final with lots of mem- lots of momentum, he can do the business. Yeah, I think that Djokovic match was is the 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 lasting memory I actually have of mm. Taylor Fritz. Basically, uh, I mean, after that, he did actually end up having you know surgery last year as well on his yeah. knee. Came back a few weeks later to win a match at Wimbledon, and then you know. A, a year on he's Indian Wells champion so he's had quite an interesting last year and a bit and uh, certainly improving all the way through and yeah I think to be honest when he beat Rublev in the semi-final I was slightly surprised at that result because I thought you know Rublev's in really decent form perhaps this well, he is, was on know, a streak of his own as well wasn't he exactly perhaps this is Rublev's time to finally you know shine at the, at the 1000 level um so Fritz getting into the final, I thought, oh, that's great for, you know, home fans. But surely Rafa's going to have, you know, too much for him. Like, because my conception of Fritz was that, you know, great prospect, but hasn't really shown that cutting kind of instinct mm. that is needed to yeah. get those massive wins. And, you know, to be fair, we hadn't seen any results uh, to, to show that. So this is definitely perhaps, you know, a real milestone in his career for sure. Um, and we'll hope, well, I'm sure it will give him more confidence when he then goes and plays, you know, more big three players, more top teners. Um, and perhaps, you know, he'll be in the top 10 in the not too distant future himself. Yeah, I mean, he he certainly, I think, has the, the quality, I think, to be a top 10 player. I mean, just looking at his play yesterday, in particular, um, you know, he's got a great, he's got a great serve, you know, he's six foot four, he can, he knows, I think, how to place his serve as well. I think, which gives him a lot of kind of free points. Um, again, also from the, the baseline as well. He's not just got a, a big forehand. I think actually yesterday his double handed backhand was causing lots of, lots of issues cross court down the line. And, um, yeah, it was really, really, I think 
great to see you know an, an american where i think you know five ten years ago i think we would just naturally assume anyone post in that sort of immediate era post andy roddick would just have a big serve and a, and a big forehand but i think we're seeing with actually more recent you know american players that they're not they're not just as you know they're not arguably as a sort of one-dimensional as that anymore and i think certainly with taylor fritz game yesterday you could see it is very multifaceted he can play very aggressively he had to do that yesterday i think to you know really kind of assert that pressure on nadal and it worked really really you know well for him i really liked him you know he was standing on the baseline he was taking time away from uh nadal and he was going in for the kill i think he sensed that you know nadal wasn't obviously 100 percent fit and you know maybe he did have flashbacks to that match you know with novak djokovic where he maybe didn't know how to how to handle kind of an, an injured opponent but yeah yesterday he 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 knew what to do and i think yeah he's just got that he had that belief that he could go on and actually this you know this right now this moment in his career now is his time i have to say i was so hoping for a third set because i mm. think that would have made it really interesting and also like even more of a test of, of fritz you know getting going into that, that that final set if rafa had been able to maybe pick his form up you know cut down some of those unforced errors i would have been really interested to see if fritz's game would have gone off the boil a, a little bit um and to see what what would have happened there but you know he did so well to to nip it in the bud um and that second set tie break you know he did so so well to to end it there and get it done especially as he'd had a championship point i think on uh was it rafa's service game mm. you know prior to that that tie break i mean just just on that i mean nadal as you said you want you wanted to it to go to a third set i was actually thinking i'd rather this have stayed to two because you know nadal he's not playing miami he's going to go back regroup for the you know the clay court season and you could just tell that he wasn't a hundred percent and i was a bit wary of like you know the longer this goes on you know the battles he's had already you know against alcaraz in the semi-final Nick Kyrgios as well in the quarterfinal I was just I was sort of a little bit like well I'd, I'd rather this almost finish in two so that we we don't have any sort of more um you know more wear on on Nadal's body and and that could potentially have jeopardized him for you know later on in the season so uh, yeah I was a little bit like I I was I was sort of content that it, it was a, a sort of straight set so as, as much as you know, I wanted it to, to go three I just felt that Nadal you know, I don't think he would have retired, but I wondered if it had gone on, whether he would have caused potentially more damage to himself. Yeah, I think the jeopardy might have already been done with those sort of long matches prior. And I think all week, you know, he hasn't really been playing his best tennis and he's been, you know, wincing a bit, I think, about the foot. And then, you know, we saw in the semi-final against Alcaraz, he was, you know, having this left pec issue, had to have treatment. And I think, you know, ultimately he said after this final that, you know, he was finding it very difficult to breathe at times. And then obviously that's very stressful, uncomfortable, painful. Um, so, you know, your mind's obviously not going to be 100% um, on on your shots as they normally are. You know, he's normally so, so focused. And we definitely saw a lot more uncharacter- uncharacteristic, you know, unforced errors, you know, in this final. And he wasn't able to compete in, in the way that we normally expect and that he wants to. Um, you know, hopefully they'll be able to find out what the issue is give him the time he needs and hopefully that will be you know sufficient for the clay court season mm. um let's hope that this last week you know pushing himself in indian wells hasn't 
been to the detriment of the next few months and beyond. But I guess we, you know, we'll have to see what the updates are from from Team Rafa over the coming kind of weeks. But yeah, it's good that he's not playing Miami. He's just back home to Mallorca to to recuperate. I mean, it's yeah, I don't like to see him, him grumpy. He definitely looked quite gruff and grumpy. I thought in the final, and and you know against Alcaraz, that was it's such a such an epic match really it was you know over three mm. hours they were yep. battling with the wind you know the second set the, the quality definitely was you know very below par in the second set um lots of breaks of serve you know it was very difficult to deal with the wind and I think at times you know Rafa was almost potentially trying to get the the match stopped because it was just you know dust going into your eyes the umpire had to tell the crowd to sort of hold on to all their items because things were just flying everywhere um so yeah it was quite like difficult to say the least yeah because I think you know Nadal talked about you know he likes a, a challenge and obviously the the conditions uh you know were, were a challenge and you know I, I was wondering you know do you think do you think they should have port do you think they should have paused play or do you think when unless it was like super dangerous which it didn't feel like it you know was it felt like you know the odds uh I don't know hat or, or whatever it is from the crowd was sort of blowing across the court I mean did you ever feel like it should have been postponed or do you feel like this was a you know a match where it it needed to happen regardless of the conditions actually that's one of the kind of unique characteristics of of playing in the you know in the desert and do you think that they should have postponed it or are you happy it was it was continued yeah it's a difficult one because I don't know if there's like a scale of like wind velocity Mm. where you know but it has it has to reach for them to cancel like there is with you know temperature or or severe rain you know um when i think on the prime coverage they showed a, a shot you know outside of the the main stadium and it did look really bad and i think actually inside the stadium you know they were saying it, it isn't quite as bad like inside mm. it's a, a barrier of protection but um it's a tricky one because i don't really know what the protocols would be and, and they would have to have a very accurate forecast that said yes it's going to be less windy in two hours time so you can postpone it until then and delay it. I think you know if you kind of can carry on I think you should just plow through and it's the same for both players isn't it so I don't feel like the fans would understand that as well like mm. in terms of if it's too windy I, th- I think you know if it was really r- like you know if it, if it was pelting it down with with rain and there was lots of water on the court I think they would understand that but but wind feels a little bit feels less sort of like how do you how does that translate to being dangerous for a, t- a tennis player because you're not going to get you're not going to get blown you're not going to get blown over but um yeah it was it was fascinating i mean to see how the you know the players handled the conditions i think it actually made yeah even though i think some at times the tennis wasn't you know amazing and i think that was the same case as well in the the women's matches which we'll we'll come on to but it certainly was fascinating to see how you know, players handle, um, you know, really extreme weather conditions. And, it, it, you know, I always kind of think in these situations, if you're hitting heavy topspin, you can play with a lot more margin um, on the, you know, on the court versus hitting it flat where it feels like if you do that, you're more likely either to hit it long or hit it into the net. And I think certainly watching... Nadal Alcaraz I mean it was very impressive yes the the second set was was dominated I feel like by the win but to see them kind of just go at it Alcaraz with the drop shots Nadal with the net play as well in that Mm. final set which was uh, a real a real kind of 
a, not a throwback. It's just it just sort of for me was a bit you know I think I think that's one aspect of Nadal's game that is very under underrated. I think and I think you know maybe he sensed that you know just staying at the back of the court. I might have just gone into you know maybe a bit more passive might have led to an error and he needed to cut the the point quick quicker and it was sort of playing into as well Alcaraz bringing him into the net with the the drop shots but yeah particularly in that third set his net play was I think one of the reasons you know he came through it and um, you know Alcaraz as much as he I think had a very solid strategy he knew he what he was doing I think he had the belief as well but you know, Nadal on the court, I think, just changed changed it up. You know, he wasn't going into that match thinking, "Yeah, I'm gonna, you know, be it." Then I'm gonna, you know, rush the net and try and kill off the point at the start of the match. But I think the way the match evolved and Nadal grew into it, it was quite clear he he if if he was going to win, he needed to change his tactics. And again, I think it just highlighted his his tennis IQ and his tennis brain, as we all know, is very very <laughs> is very very clever and again in that third set when he changed it up to getting to the net I think that that sort of proved it yeah some of those volleys and like the reflexes were just incredible um definitely demonstrates Rafa's variety and you know champions Mm. find a way to win don't they and I think Alcaraz just in the last two games of that match you know just sort of lost a little bit of focus and Rafa was able to get the break so um really pleased that Alcaraz has had you know has run deep at this tournament I think you know that was um not an unexpected uh result um for him to get so far and you know he is going to be like the next big thing I mean he's already he didn't here play. <laughs> he did not play a bad third set I think I was I saw a statistic that say I think he lost like five serve you know five points on his serve it was just unfortunate I think four of them were in were in one game um so yeah he he played a he played a fantastic match and it was just a fantastic battle. And Kim, it, it does give me feelings that there is going to be some point when we're going to see a changing of the guards esque match between Nadal and Alcaraz. It's not, it's, it doesn't feel like it's, it's going to happen anytime soon necessarily given how you know well Nadal is still playing on the tour, but it's certainly, I feel like this match sort of set it up for me in terms of further down the road. Maybe, I mean, the the obvious answer would be a Roland Garros. Um, we're going to have some sort of changing of the guard moment. That there's going to be this sort of transition, and I think it's quite nice to see Alcaraz sort of rising to the occasion. Because I think you know, in times in the past in in tennis, there's been a a lull or you know or a gap, and it's not it's been as as seamless. But here, given the you know the similarities, the style of their play um obviously they're both from from spain um it feels like we've got a real amazing time now where we can have this great rivalry progress but i think at the end at, at the end of the day it's going to reach a point where you know at the moment it feels like nadal's still got the upper hand on alcaraz but certainly there's going to become a time where dare i say alcaraz is gonna be the the aggressor more than uh more than nadal yeah, I think those four words, changing of the guard, was definitely running through my head uh, ahead of their semi-final on, on the weekend. And I mean, obvious parallels between the two. So it's it's natural to think in that regard. And yeah, I think it may not happen on the clay, it might happen on, you know, hard courts, um, you know, because Alcaraz is by no means, you know, a clay quarter. Mm. And, um, you know, I think it's it's inevitably going to happen, that kind of transition. And, you know, for me, I'm quite pleased that it's it's a Spaniard 
<laughs> you know, I quite like my Spanish tennis. So um, I think, yeah, it's, it's a, you know, he's obviously such a exciting talent. And, you know, I say for the future, but like he's already kind of here doing things, isn't he? So mm, yeah, <laughs> it's um, not so much next gen, but very much now. And, you know, actually, I think Rafa this past week in Indian Wells, you know, I stayed up quite late watching his matches um, and he provided, I think, you know, with his matches, probably the most entertainment out of out of anyone and no discredit to any of the other players in the draw. Hang but... on, what, you don't mean not Nick Kyrgios and Ben Stiller? Oh, well, I was just getting on to Nick Kyrgios <laughs> and that match with Rafa because, you know, this was a charged affair. Um, you know, it was three sets. Rafa came through 7-6, 5-7, 6-4. It very edgy, I have to say. Um, Nick Kyrgios was, you know, back to his old ways, um, you know, getting frustrated, um, you know, shouting out the crowd. Um, we saw some very naughty behaviour at the end of the match as well, uh, where he threw his racket in the direction of a ball kid and, to be honest with you, would have hit the ball kid had the ball kid not moved out of the way, um, which, I mean, we'll get onto this in a bit, but completely unacceptable. But the match itself, the actual tennis, um, you know, I was obviously pleased that Rafa came through and, and won it in three sets, but you know, Kyrgios showing his 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 brilliance on a tennis court, mm. um, but just apart from that first set tiebreak, <laughs> apart from that first set tiebreak, which is very one sided, um, probably you know very anticlimactic end to that first set. But you know, Kyrgios's mental side of things, his mentality, you know, cost him really because when he when he's on and you know he's playing great. He can beat anyone, as we, as we well know. So, yeah, I know. I mean, for me, there were there was like I was like, oh, his mentality has improved, and then there were times when I was like, oh, his mentality hasn't improved. And you know, in that first set, and I think he, you know, what he, I think he served for the the first set, but Nadal was able to break, and as soon as it got to that tie break, it was like he just. He had just zoned out and he lost it, you know, seven love. And I thought, oh, well, if that's the case, then I think we're going to be over pretty quickly in the, the second set. But at the same time, again, for me, I was like, oh, actually, hang on. I, w- I was actually a little bit surprised. You know, he was able to to regroup. And, you know, when he took that second set, I thought, you know, all the momentum's with him. Nadal looks a bit, you know, looks a bit tired. I didn't know if he was, you know, 100%. Uh, you know, 100% physically fit as well. And I thought, you know, this was Kyrgios's chance to, you know, to pull out the win in, in three sets. But again, Nadal was showing just some unbelievable kind of warrior-like um, tenacity on the, on the tennis court. And I think, I think he was fired up by, you know, Nick, you know, Nick Kyrgios. I think he was the one who was, you know, staying cool in the, the situation. And, and Kyrgios, as we know, is very combustible and, I think at the moment he's like he's still combustible, but I actually think he's still playing pretty good tennis. And yes, he he did lose in in a tight three set match, but certainly I think I was very impressed with, given that we've not really seen much of him since the the Australian Open. So for him to come over to the desert, play the way he did, and get to the quarterfinals and really kind of push, um, you know, Nadal um, again from a performance level was was very very um yeah I was very very happy with that but as you said there were kind of flashpoints where I wasn't so happy with and we need to talk about it Kim that that racket throw at the end which I don't think was caught by TV coverage but certainly has been doing the rounds on social media I mean this was so close to being 
I think, can you be defaulted after a match? I think so. Um, but it was so close to being a racket hitting a ball boy and you know who knows you know what would what would have fallen out from that fortunately the ball boy kind of moved out the way like a split second before but you know this was not a this was this was all all the worst things I think that we know Nick Kyrgios by and seeing it on the tennis court yeah um fortunately the ball kid is okay um but I just think you know this is it's. I know he said that his intention was obviously not to hit the ball boy. Mm. He was throwing his racket in frustration, but you know that it was quite a racket throw. And um, it was at the back know, of the court, and he was in the middle, to, wasn't he? Yeah, you've got to be mindful of your surroundings. You know that ball kids, and you know back in the day, line judges, you know, stand in that area. You you know you know it is going to end up somewhere. There's absolutely no excuse or rationale for for what he did. I, I think. The, not just what he did, but the way he responded when asked about it in his press conference as well was just not on. You know, it was just, you know, he got very belligerent about being asked about it, you know, kind of saying, it was, oh, it was an accident. It's like, no, th- there's no accident. You willingly did that because, you know, you got so frustrated and aggressive. And it's these sort of insipid moments of violence that we're seeing from like the male players. Like we've had Zverev whacking his racket at the end of the match against you know the umpire's chair could have hit the umpire now we have Kyrgios throwing his racket almost hitting a ball kid I mean that could have potentially been a very serious injury if it whacked the ball kid at you know I don't know how fast it would have been going but that's not the point do you think there is a bigger conversation here in terms of the like the ATP tour getting this sort of male aggressive tag attached to it given given the incidents we've seen do the ATP I don't know need to step in and provide anger management courses and make them compulsory do you because it because it does for me it does feel like we're getting more and more of these these situations becoming more frequent aren't they yeah and you know there's lots of male players who are obviously not doing this so well behaved respectful so it is a minority but it does seem that we're having to kind of endure them on a large scale there's like vast numbers of people watching and I do think they need to be more severe I think you know we've had two incidents like really bad incidents of late where this has happened and I think you know if you're putting the lives of you know the the staff involved in the setup of the event at danger you know if if I'm now like I don't know a parent and I want my child to go and ball kid at a tennis event I might think twice because you just don't know what sort of rage is gonna take over some of the players like you you know they could physically be at, at, at risk and I just don't think that's you know that's a very unlikely scenario and obviously I guess it's always been part of like a risk assessment but I just don't think it's it's not it's not the look we want for tennis. I think they need to have harsher penalties. Um, obviously, if Kyrgios had still been in the tournament, I'm sure they would have, I would have hoped, defaulted him had he, you know, won that match. Although I'm sure if he'd have won, he wouldn't have thrown his racket. But there's got to be something done because it's just, it's it's very unsettling and unnerving, um, you know, when you have these sort of acts of aggression. And then the worst thing, I think, is when the players... They may apologise, but it's never very sincere and they sort of make all these excuses, which is what we often see when people are you know, perpetrating violence. They, they don't really own up and admit the kind of seriousness of their actions. 
Yes, it's been a uh, you know for Nick Kyrgios. Yeah, I mean it's it's the same old story, isn't it? Um, you know, yes, great tennis player, but yeah, some yeah some shocking kind of visuals. I feel like as well um, this tournament, so not not the greatest from that regard. Um, but let's move on to the women's the women's tournament. We had Iga Swiatek defeating Maria Sakkari in the final six four six one back to back. WTA 1000 titles for Iga Swiatek. She's now the number two women's player in the world, up a career high ranking. And yeah, Kim, I think we said it the last time she was in a WTA 1000 final. She just is a big, big game player. She was the form player this week. And again, she... She just continued her, you know, her streak in, in finals. I think that's five now um, that she has won. And given that you know, she's only 20 years old, it feels like we're seeing the start of something really special here. And, and actually, this is this feels to me like she's she is laying a claim now to becoming, the you know, the women's number one. She is she is like t- showing Ash Barty like, hey, if you want to go you know, sit down in, in Australia and wait out there until your Billie Jean King Cup match comes along. That's absolutely fine. But I'm going to show the world, you know, what I can do on a tennis court. And, you know, this week she's been, you know, fantastic. And in the final, again, in particular, that that second set, it was a complete, <laughs> it was a complete demolition. Another breadstick uh, in the in the bag in, uh, in the final of her, which is quite a, a common occurrence. Yeah, we were both shocked that she lost four games <laughs> in that first set. <laughs> I was like, I want a refund. I was expecting yeah. uh, love and one. No, yeah, exactly. Um, no, credits to Maria Zachary. You know, she did make a a first set of it, and you know, it, they were very, um, they were you know struggling with the wind. Um, you know, quite a few breaks of serve in that first set, but you know, Shvontek, her experience. You know, she's five out of five from finals now she's um you know having a such a fantastic year honing in on that world number one spot which you know if ash barty is going to play a reduced schedule uh shall we say that's you know definitely up for grabs and, and fair play to Shviontek. you know she's really carving out um some absolutely brilliant form at the moment and yeah just that kind of um conversion in finals is so so impressive and and the dominance and you know um we predicted her to win this event and she went and did it um, I'm expecting more of the same in, in Miami. We'll get onto that a bit later. I mean, she didn't have it, you know, completely her own way all, all fortnight. You know, she did have a few three set matches. She had a very tough semi final against Simona Hallett, yeah. which, although it was straight sets, you know, seven, six, six, four. Uh, Shrontek actually said that was, you know, the toughest match um, that she's played uh, this fortnight. Um, you know, she had to save, you know, set points that Hallep had in that first set. Hallep was a breakup um, in the second set as well. Uh, so Shvontek, really, you know, gritty performance to come through that one. Um, really great match, really high quality stuff. Um, and then, you know, the final, not so high quality, difficult of the wind, but she got the job done and um, definitely, you know, superior to, to Zachary, who, funnily enough, hit the same number of unforced errors that Rafa did in the men's final, 34, uh, which is not a great stat. Yeah, I think, you know, I think the conditions were certainly unfortunate for Zachary as I said I think in terms of her game particularly on the the backhand she hits it very very flat and I think Igor Sviantek her game plan was really kind of lasering in on that that backhand because she just knew that there were going to be 
errors coming from that given the you know given the conditions and i think if there's one thing that that sakari takes away from this final it's that you know she's going to need to be able to you know very obviously she needs she's going to need to be able to play in all sorts of conditions she's going to need to be able to play i think with a higher margin um you know on on the tennis court and perhaps her game at the moment the way she plays it yeah it's great when there's a, a still breeze or or, or whatever on an indoor court where there's you know no, no conditions to kind of or elements to kind of factor in but certainly when it's at its most extreme she had a very very difficult time you know handling it um and and to be fair you know Shviontek at at you know, at times did as well but yeah as you said 34 unforced errors seven double faults and you know, five out of 25 second serve points one in the whole match. So yeah, not great, you know, not great figures. And you can't, you can't win a tournament with, uh, you know, without kind of holding your serve. And yeah, Sakari just found that kind of very, very, you know, difficult. And, you know, to be fair, a lot of players have struggled as well with, with Sri on tech recently. She's on an 11 match win streak now. Um, you know, she obviously won Doha, Australian Open semi-finals. So, you know, she is looking. She is looking very, very good. And I think, you know, it will. I'm not Kim. I'm not going to be surprised if we're going to see back to back to back WTA 1000 titles, given the the form she is in. And to be honest, not really seeing a lot apart from maybe Simona Halep elsewhere. Um, you know, I feel like a few players maybe in the in the, the the women's draw underperformed here. I know the I know the conditions and I know the the environment. I think probably had a a reason to do with that. But certainly, I think Shviontek of the you know the big names. I feel like she was arguably maybe only along with Sakari that you know the two to to live up to their their billing the most. Um, you know, maybe along with with Bedosa as well, who got to the semifinals. Yeah, Pedosa reaching the semis as defending champion. Uh, she took it to three sets, but mm. ultimately, yeah, 6-1 in that third set against Zachary. Um, Yeah, Zachary really got the better of Pedosa. Pedosa was really struggling to um, kind of find her range. And, you know, her first serve percentage was was quite poor, um, apart from that second set where she upped it a bit. But, um, yeah, it's... Um, I think a lot of the women, like the likes of, you know, Muguruza or mm-hmm. Golf, even, yeah, they just really didn't perform. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the soccer for different reasons, like, you know, the crowd environment. Um, it was quite disappointing from some of them, but, you know, at the same time, full credit to their opponents who, who came through and beat them. Um, but yeah, Shviontek definitely, and Halep, I think, and Zachary really um, having a great week, maximising their games. And, and nice for Zachary that, you know, she got to the final because she has this habit you know of, of sort of being a perennial semi-finalist um she's reached seven semis in her last 10 tournaments um I mean, she is knocking finals, on the door she yeah, is knocking she on the door is. yeah but it's it's not you can tell it's it's not quite there yet and you you do feel that someone like a Tech will know how to ultimately know how to exploit her game so i think sakari knows that there's still a bit of work to do but at the same time she again is very very consistent i think and again there's been a lot of players i feel on the wta tour and the atp tour actually who um you know are not not living up to their their seedings and playing very inconsistent at the moment but i think you, that's hard to say you know of sakari you know this was her second final of the season 
Um, so she was coming into this, uh, you know, seven semifinals in her last 10 tournaments, I think shows you that consistency that she's playing with, but consistency is not going to win you, you know, uh, is not going to win you, you know, Indian Wells out in the desert. And there is certainly, yeah, I think room for a little bit of room for improvement, but yeah, certainly knocking on the door. Definitely. Um, so, I mean, let's just quickly touch upon the doubles, Joel, out in Indian Wells, because we had, uh, I mean, the men's side of things, Americans must have been loving it because John Isner and Jack Salk won the men's doubles in Indian Wells as well. Uh, straight set, seven six six three against Gonzalez and Roger Vassilan. Um, interestingly, I didn't know this, but Roger Vassilan has a metal hip. Uh, he's been out and has come back with an Andy Murray-inspired uh, metal hip. So as uh, another one on the tour um, playing playing at, with that. Um, and on the women's side of things, I think it was um, Zhu and, and Zhang uh, who won their maiden doubles title um, against Muhammad and Shibahara. So, um, you know, fantastic for them as a team to get their first title together. Um, and as for the British side of things, I think, yeah, Joe Salisbury lost um, in that semi-final to Gonzalez and, and Roger Vassilan. Um, but on that note, uh, let's take a quick break. But do join us in the second half where we'll be having a look at the men's and women's draws in Miami coming up this week. So do not go anywhere. Welcome back to The Passing Shots with Joel and Kim, sponsored by DownloadTennis.com. And now we're going to move on to Miami, uh, which is our second act of the Sunshine Double. <laughs> uh, you know, they've all gone over to the East Coast, bit of, you know, Floridian sunshine as opposed to the Californian desert. Uh, Rafa's not there. Djokovic is still not there. So let's look at the draws uh, in in turn with Medvedev, obviously, as a top seed at the top of the draw. Um, he has got defending champion Hubert Herkaj as a potential quarterfinalist. It will be interesting to see how Hubert Herkaj gets on because since he won Miami last year, you know, we've seen him do really well at Wimbledon, but in, in other tournaments, you know, big Masters events, he hasn't replicated what he was able to do against Sinner in the final 12 months ago. What are you expecting him to do this week? Yeah, it's... Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, he'll look at, I think, how Cam Norrie, I think, handled being Indian Wells defending champions. I think he did pretty well. Yes, he lost to Alcaraz in the quarterfinal, but I think, you know, from a British point of view, he did the best uh, certainly, I think I, I was you know, expecting of him in terms of handling the occasion. Um, so I think he will kind of look to that as as inspiration and confidence that he could, you know, mount a similar, um, you know, a similar kind of path and, and trajectory. I mean, he's got, uh, you know, around him in the draw, he's got Karatsev, who, again, I don't think has been in that great a form, you know, this season. Um, so that feels like quite nice. And the other seeds are Dan Evans and Shapovalov. So, you know, there is, I think, potential for him there um, to kind of make his way through, um, you know, through kind of through the draw. I mean, just at the top, you've got, as you said, Daniel Medvedev. He could actually face Andy Murray or Del Bonice in his first match. Now, um, you know, Medvedev didn't have it his own, you know, didn't have it his way in uh, in the desert. You know, that loss to Monfils. So he want to, I think, show that, you know, that was just, uh, you know, that was just a blip and you know see where see where that takes him but you know with potentially with Andy Murray first up that could be quite an interesting encounter if you know if the, if there is any sort of time i think to 
play Medvedev. It's certainly, I think, after a loss to someone like a, you know, like a Monfils. And for whoever that is, whether it's Andy Murray or Dabonis, um, I think it's a very good opportunity and moment to play him. I think, um, yeah, if, if Medvedev is feeling a bit like, wounded uh perhaps or uh, yeah from that from that Monfils match losing his world number one ranking you know very shortly after getting I mean yeah there's like 55 points between him and Novak it's you know it's much closer at the top so it's not to say he's not going to become world number one again he probably will but um I think it's interesting that uh Andy Murray has got Del Bonis I think they played uh, not so long ago, didn't they? I think Andy Murray has this habit of, of getting the same sort of people. It seems to be the Taro Daniel, Alex Bublik. Yep, yep. <laughs> um, the likes of, you know, he seems to play the same sort of cohort of people. But um, I'd love to see Murray Medvedev first round. I think that would be a really good test for both of them for different reasons. So I'm definitely up for that. I hope it happens. Jensen Brooksby unseeded also in this in this quarter yeah definitely could fly under the radar there i mean well i say fly under the radar i mean he had a pretty good tournament i think in in indian wells but i certainly think he's in a nice part of the draw i mean if he comes through korea in the first round could come up against bash billy but um yeah i think he's an opponent of the form he's in is, is, yeah someone no one is going to want to play and um yeah i could see him being a, a threat potentially throughout the tournament yeah for sure i think I would imagine him getting to, well, at least the fourth round. Um, mm. If Medvedev falls, I would expect Brooksby actually maybe to be the one to reach yeah. the quarters. Yeah. Um, in the second quarter, we do have uh, Stefano Sitspas and Felix Auger-Aliassim as the two highest seeds. But perhaps more interestingly this time, we've got Carlos Alcaraz, the 14th seed, and Taylor Fritz is the 11th seed um, in this section of the draw. Um, I'm really intrigued to see how Alcaraz is going to do after you know getting to the semis in Indian Wells. Even more intrigued to see how Fritz is going to do. I wonder if Fritz's ankle might have a role. Um, I mean, I'm sure he'd want to carry on playing. It's, you know, mm. you know, his home country, big event. Um, you know, you've just won a, the biggest title of your career. But, you know, there was quite a bit of concern before the match yesterday about Fritz's ankle. So I, I don't know if that might be a factor, although I'm sure he'll have a good few days off before his first match um, in Miami. Um, he may have van der Zandschorp, though, as the first match which is not not an easy not an easy encounter mm, he beat yeah. FAA last week um Seb Cordes in this section as well um Jay Wilford Songa is playing this um event Joel I don't know if you spotted him yeah uh, on a protected on a protected ranking yeah. I feel like he's been holding that protected ranking for a long time because <laughs> I feel like we've just seen him play uh you know with wild you know wild cards and a few you know lower lower ranking um tournaments so um yeah nice to see him back in a main draw, Jordan Thompson and his mustache. Um, yes, I will see. We'll see how that goes. Actually, Kim, I say mustache. I actually think he he could double as Jesus at the moment, Jordan Thompson, because he's got the mustache. He's got long hair as well. Um, he's giving. I don't know if he's like tried to copy like Lloyd Harris's sort of long locks look. Um, but yeah, Songa Thompson is quite interesting. But yeah, as you said, I think. Despite Sissipas and FAA being the, the highest seeds in the, the second quarter, I think all eyes will be on Alcaraz and Fritz. And, you know, given, yeah, there, I don't know if, I don't know how well Fritz is going to be feeling and whether, you know, he uh, will have just, you know, naturally sort of peaked with, you know, winning, uh, you know, Indian Wells. Uh, you know, that might be quite difficult if he does come up against Van der Sandschulp in the, in the second round. So I'm certainly looking at Alcaraz. 
as a player full of confidence at the moment. And um, yeah, I think he will definitely be one, certainly one to watch and, you know, very well could have a, an Alcaraz sits a pass fourth round, I think on the cards. Um, and uh, yeah, given the way Alcaraz is playing at the moment, I would not be surprised if you, he came through that. Yeah, I have Alcaraz to come out of this section. I think he's more likely to rather than Fritz. Uh, I think Fritz mm. could well come a cropper against, yeah, possibly Van der Zandrup or later on, you know, Tommy Paul or Hatchinov, Felix maybe. I mean, I'm not trying to downplay Taylor Fritz. I just think it's very unlikely that he's going to win two Masters back to back straight off. I mean, Kim, we're not even we're not even speaking about Sebi Corder either, and 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 that's I think a bit unfair because he had a really fantastic match against mm. uh, you know Nadal as well. It was just unfortunate. I think it was you know so early on uh, in India Wells. I sort of feel like we've we've had so many great matches since then. We've sort of forgotten about it. But again, uh, like you know Jensen Brooksby being unseeded in the uh, that top quarter, Sebi Corder in uh, this second quarter unseeded as well is going to be quite a dangerous player. Corder. FAA third round that could be quite tasty if that materializes yeah hopefully Felix will have a better week this week but mm. Kekmanovic as well had a great uh, tournament in yep. Indian Wells yep. and he's um in that section could play FAA in the second round um the third section down or the top half of the bottom half however you want to say it we've got Andre Rublev uh, as the top as the highest seed well no, actually, he's not the highest seed in the section Matteo Berrettini technically is um but I would imagine Rublev is the favourite to come through this form section. player yeah yeah in form I mean Gail Monfils hopefully he'll be playing as well as we saw him against Medvedev as well he um he's got a Pelka in his section they both had quite a good Indian Wells but um yeah for me Rublev from this section is Yannick looking... Sinner I mean Yannick Sinner oh, yeah, last yeah. last season you know got to the final in, yeah. in Miami with that with her cash could also be a threat I know you love a bit of PCB as well uh in in this part well... of the draw I mean Kim Rublev could face Nick Kyrgios um in his opening match if Kyrgios comes through Adrian Manorino of France I think I know I know we've just sort of bashed Nick Kyrgios in terms of his his antics but I I don't think anyone can deny he was playing some very very good tennis um in uh in Indian Wells and to have Kyrgios Rublev in the second round I think is yeah that could be very very fiery I think given their both their personalities uh if they're both both of their personalities really show up on the on the tennis court that could be a very i think fiery uh encounter for the fans i have to say i'm with rublev on this one if if they do meet i don't think kirill should be in the tournament to be quite honest with you um so but that's the way it is um yeah i i think sinner uh going back to him hopefully he's he's over his illness from from last week but um yeah, I th- yeah, I mean, if if I I expect Rublev will beat Kyrgios, um, so I'm going to go with him for this section. But otherwise, yeah, I do I do concur. Kyrgios was playing some great tennis, so um, you know, seem could very well be the the you know semi finalist or quarter finalist from this section. Very bottom half of the draw. Sasha Zverev is the second seed mm. at the bottom. This Got feels very open. This part yeah, of the draw. Cam Norrie could well come through, uh, which would be great. And Grigor Dimitrov, uh, well, he had a sort of got to the quarters in Indian Wells. So, you know, had a not too shabby uh, last week, benefiting from Djokovic's uh, withdrawal. 
so but yes very open i think uh to be honest um, what i'm looking forward to kim in this part is we could have an all british second round between cam Norrie and jack draper uh who uh is here on a wild card i think that's to do with um img uh as his um as his sponsor who they run you know they've got big interests and stake in the tournament <laughs> kim i still just think jack draper on the ATP tour. Yes, he had that amazing match with Novak Djokovic at, at Wimbledon. I still remember him last time he was at Miami where he was just full on cramping on the court. Wasn't a pretty sight. I mean, very, very, very testing conditions for, um, you know, any, any player, but certainly a, a young player who's still developing. So I think he'll want to kind of do better than, um, you know, give a better showing than, yeah, I think what happened last time out. And, you know, he's got Jill Simon, um, on a on a protected ranking like you know like songa um fellow frenchman but um yeah that could be a i mean that's a classic youth versus youth versus experience matchup where do you do you see any hope for for draper or do you think simon will will know how to handle him no i think uh jack draper's got a got a chance i mean simon is i don't <laughs> don't want to say he's past it um <laughs> he's getting on with, he, he's getting on isn't he yeah he's in the latter stages of his career so i think that's a, a very reasonable draw um having said that he's obviously very experienced and has been a fantastic player throughout the years so um with that you know comes a lot of uh, skill uh but yeah hopefully jack will have a better experience than than last time in miami and it would be fantastic to see him play to play cam in that second round and hopefully um cam will come through and continue continue his recent good form and and go deep here i think he's in a, a good place in the draw to do that so i'd really like to to see him um i mean let's make some predictions joel because we've been i think we're kind of pretty similar or you know on the same sort of wavelength probably with our predictions but <laughs> who are you going for for your semi-final lineup to start with so i'm got Medvedev Alcaraz uh, in the top half uh, semi-final with Nick Kyrgios Cam Norrie bottom half semi-final um, I think Cam Norrie is the form player in that bottom half and sorry in that bottom bottom quarter I think that you know any player in in the draw where there is Zverev uh, you know Kasper Ruud is the, the highest seed I think that's a very nice spot to be in and what I think I saw from uh, you know last week from from Norrie I think he will be um, you know one to be reckoned with so I'm going to go Norrie um, getting through to the semi-finals with Nick Kyrgios again I've already spoken about how good I think he's been playing um, I think he obviously needs to keep a lid on it a little bit more and Maybe that will stop him getting to the semi-final. But I think on tennis alone, I think he's shown enough for me that he could, yeah, potentially come through that that Rublev encounter um, if he gets there, if he comes through Manorino. And then, yeah, in that top half, I've got Medvedev, Alcaraz. I think, yeah, Medvedev will bounce back and I think he will show it was... Indian Wells was a blip. Um, and Alcaraz is just playing with so much confidence at the moment. I could not not see him uh yeah getting to the semi-finals yeah i've gone very similar to you i've gone exactly the same except for kyrios i've gone for rublev um to come through that one okay. and, and to okay. make it to the semis um my final is therefore alcaraz against rublev um i'm Ooh, going all okay. out on alcaraz okay. yeah <laughs> i'm going for alcaraz to win the tournament so uh, Ooh, that's, that's a big oh, that's a big claim that's a uh, big claim 
I've gone. I've gone. Medvedev Kyrgios final with Kyrgios winning, and I know every. Um, I think a lot of our listeners will have their head in their hands at the moment when I've just Boo, said that. Hiss. <laughs> <Boo>. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, as I said, I think he's been playing great tennis. I think he's been very motivated, and yes, I think that motivation has has led to negative situations that we've seen. But um, at least he's at least he's motivated and, and fired up and um yeah i think if he does get to that again to that business end i think he will have a lot of that motivation to you know to succeed and i think in particular because i think i could be wrong but i think he might be skipping the european clay season so i think he will want to make the most of you know his opportunities um you know when he's out on on a tennis court so i'm backing nick curios to to do that um yeah, in Miami, but probably get a few uh, point penalties along the way. I mean, I think against other players, he may keep it a bit more together, but he seems to have this like obsession almost with Rafa and mm. Novak, I think. When he's playing those players, it's, it's all that extra bit of edge and um, perhaps he will be calmer with, with the rest of the field. Who knows? No one knows with him um, anymore. But <laughs> I don't think um, Nick Kyrgios knows. I, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Let's talk women's draw because I think this might be, well, certainly, hopefully, a bit more sort of peaceful. Um, we've got Igor Sviontek, obviously, um, coming in as the most informed player and the the new world number two as well, um, which I don't know if we touched on earlier. But Sabalenka is technically still the top seed here. Um, no Ash Barty again, of course. Um, so let's look at each quarter in turn. Top quarter, yeah, we've got Sabalenka, we've got Karolina Pliskova. Oh, I mean, we've got Simona Halep probably as the one that's perhaps most likely going to come through this section. Um, Emma Raducanu is in this this bit. I could play Halep in the third round. Um, hopefully, Emma is feeling a bit fresher and fitter. Uh, you know, she was struggling in Indian Wells. Um, and yeah, I mean, it would be nice for her to kind of get that Halep matchup that we've been looking forward to, wouldn't it, for uh, for a while? Yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, elsewhere we've got, I mean, Benchich and Svitolina in, an, in a segment where Heather Watson is. Those two players are not in great form at the moment. They're, they'll be looking at Miami as a place to rediscover form of old. Um, so I think it's quite a nice spot for Heather. Uh, she's got Arantxa Russ um, of the Netherlands in the first round with a winner to play Svitolina. So I don't think, yeah, all, I don't think all's not lost there with, with Heather. I think that's a good place to be. Um, but yeah, Sabalenka is the top seed. Still not really sure she could face Kasatkina. Um, in the third round. Um, but yeah, she's got to come through Begu or Hayley Baptiste in the second round as well. But yeah, certainly I think Simona Halep, given what she showed, I think she was like, I feel like, I know, yes, Zachary got to the final, but for me, Simona Halep showed the second best level of, of tennis um, in, you know, in the women's draw uh, last week to, um, to Igor Sviontek. And if she can continue that, I see how I don't. I don't see any reason why she can't again come through this part of the part of the draw, despite being you know the the twenty third seed. I think this is another opportunity for her to you know get some get some get some more ranking points and get her seeding, get her ranking back up to the the tennis. I think she's playing at the moment. 
possible banana skin with Daria Savile in the second round, perhaps, yeah. if, if yeah. she gets through. I mean, she's just been in pretty decent form, making her way back up. You know, she used to be a top 20 player, is down, you know, way down in the rankings because of surgery. But, um, you know, she's one that I'm kind of keeping my eye on with results, um, you know, because she has been getting some some decent wins of late. Um, the next quarter down, we've got Annette Contivate as the top uh, seed in this section. Uh, but we've also got the return of Danielle Collins uh, after the AO final. She hasn't played since. Um, so that'll be intriguing to see how she will get on now she's back on a tennis court. Uh, may face Caroline Garcia in the second round. Um, but we've also got a possible rematch between Kerber and Fernandez in the third round, which would be a rematch of their match at the US Open last year. Um, on Shabor is also in this section. So yeah, quite an interesting an interesting um, section. Osaka as well. I mean, she could play Kerber in the second round if she gets through her opener. So um, once again, it almost impossible to predict um to be quite honest with you I'm not even confident about Contivate anymore because she didn't really uh have a particularly you know standout Indian Wells did she <laughs> yeah no it was it, yeah I expected maybe yeah a little bit a little bit more from her but yeah certainly some there's quite a big yeah plethora I feel of, of high quality players in a short uh short space in the in the draw with yeah, still with with Contivate, given her form just generally this season. Cornet as well. Um, you know, we saw what she can do at the Australian Open. Fernandez, Naomi Osaka, unseeded. Yeah, it's again. What's gonna What's gonna happen with Osaka? Are we gonna see any you know people in the in the crowds just be you know really 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 rude to her and and you know what what she gonna how's she gonna react to that? I mean, there's so many there's so many what ifs there. I think we know with Osaka that if she can just focus on her tennis block out everything else then yeah she will be a, certainly a force to reckon with on these american hard courts but uh you know at the moment we don't don't feel like we're quite there but you know having you know being unseeded coming against kerber that could be quite a nice could be night quite a nice route in but as you said with potentially Leila Annie Fernandez waiting in the, in the third round she certainly is going to be motivated and as always would be a very tough a tough nut to crack, I think, for potentially either Osaka or Kerber. Yeah, let's hope the crowd behave themselves and, you know, Osaka doesn't have a repeat of the heckling from, from Indian Wells. Um, the next quarter down, we do have Paola Badosa and Maria Sakkari uh, as the two standout seeds. They could meet in the quarterfinals and have a rematch, um, you know, of of the semi-final just gone. Um, also got Rabakina, Azarenka, Von Drusova, you know, players who could well make a run of it. You know, we just um, can never rule these these guys out. So, <laughs> um, and then you know, let's quickly just jump down to the very bottom of the draw. Shviontek down there as the second seed. I mean, looking at the other names in this section, you, you know, you've got Kudermatova who had um, some decent wins in Indian Wells. Ostapenko, Ostapenko, but I don't see any of them challenging uh, Shviontek if she continues her form. Uh, Muguruza at the top of this section has had a pretty terrible time of it of late. So I, I see Shviontek uh, coming through without too much fuss. Uh, yeah. I don't feel like Shviontek really exerted herself, um, you know, in Indian Wells to a point where I think she would come into this, you know, slightly overcooked. I think, you know, she's she's very happy with her game at the moment. She's very confident. She's on a good win streak. She's got lots of momentum and it's hard to see. It's hard to see who could, 
it's hard to see who could stop her in particular in this quarter. I mean, Kim, Yelena Ostapenko could face Amanda Anasimova in the second round, which could be quite a, a fun match. I mean, that is no foregone conclusion, though, because Anasimova has Shelby Rogers. Um, Shelby Rogers, who I feel we always, <laughs> we know she's going to blow hot and she could always blow hot and cold, I feel like, in the, in the same match. So, you know, that could potentially go one way or another. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's hard. It's hard not to see partially on tap, but you know, who knows? Muguruza, Kvitova, could they rediscover the form of old Coco Goff as well? Yeah, it's, it's all up for grabs, but it still feels like they're all going to be playing second fiddle to, to, to Shviontek. I think I was hoping as well that we'd see Harriet Dart in the draw, but she's lost mm. in qualifying today, uh, unfortunately. Um, you know, she had such a great Indian Wells. It would have been nice for her to make another main draw, but it's not to be. But well done, Harriet, uh, regardless. Um, so who are you going for, Joel, for your predictions for the women? Who's your semi-final lineup? Yes, so I am going for in the top half, Simona Halep versus Annette Kontovit. And then in the bottom half, I've got Iga Sviontek versus Maria Sakkari. I've gone with the, I've gone with the form players in particular in that, um, in that bottom half with Sviontek and Sakkari and also with, with Halep as well in the top half. And I think, yeah, Kontovit, given her form, um, I'm, I'm basing that more on her form than her, yeah, performance in, in Indian Wells, but, um, I certainly think they are my, yeah, my four. And I've got a Halep Sviontek final. Um, yeah, I think they're going to have a, have a bit of a rematch. And I think Sviontek again is going to come out on top. I'm going Kim for the back to back to back, the three peat. Is it three peat? Maybe not three peat. I'm just going like back to back to back WTA 1000 titles. I didn't even know. If, has that been done before? Probably need to research that. But given the way Sviontek has been playing at the moment, I wouldn't put it past her. I imagine that Serena would probably have done the mm. equivalent before they were kind of rebranded as, as thousand events. Um, yeah, I've gone quite similar. I've gone for Simona Halep as well. I've gone for Leila Fernandez though to um, to join her in that semi. Uh, but then on the other side, I've got Maria Sakkari and Iga Sviontek. And then I've gone for a Halep-Sviontek final with Sviontek winning, of course. So uh, yeah, I, I think she's it's... I'm going with the form. I think it's um It's hard not to. It's, it's hard, hard not, not to, to, but you know, it's hard it is hard keeping a win streak, you know, going as you, as you get on and yeah, on. True. So, but she seems very calm. You know, a bit like Ash Barty, you know, they're both at the top of the game now and they're both pretty calm and relaxed players and I think that that stands for something, doesn't it? So, um but we'll be back uh, midweek to discuss um well, mid-tournament, I should say, to discuss uh, what's been going on <laughs> out in Miami. Um, let's hope that there's no dust storms. Um, <laughs> might be more tropical dust, rain, perhaps. Surely <laughs> the dust has settled in Miami. I can't. I don't even know if there is any dust in in Miami. But uh, yeah, I hope it's going to be uh, yeah, a good a good tournament, a good end to the sunshine double before we hit into the the clay swing. So uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But uh, listeners, I hope you enjoyed listening to this latest episode of The Passing Shot. Remember to subscribe to us, stay up to date on all the action at the Miami Open, as well as on the ATP and WTA tours. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all good podcasting platforms out there. You can also listen to us on the DownloadTennis.com app. And if you like what you're hearing, then make sure to leave us a rating and comment on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. 
And you can follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at Passing Shot Pod. So if you don't already follow us, do give us a like and a follow. Tell your friends about us and do contact us if you've got any queries, questions, feedback and the like. Uh, you can reach us via email as well if you prefer. Uh, PassingShotPod at gmail.com um, or just check out our website as well. There's a contact form on there, www.thepassingshot.co.uk. And we will be back next time at Passing Shot HQ. It'll be a mid-tournament catch-up with the Miami Open. So I hope you can join us for that. But in the meantime, it's goodbye from Kim. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from me. We'll see you again soon. 